Well, I'm going to start things off here by saying it's not every day that I get to talk to someone who's had a high school named after them. (laughs) (laughs) And for those folks out there listening that didn't get that joke, uh, the high school in Greece was named Rydell High School. So that that, that was pretty neat. Uh, How are you doing these days? I'm doing good. You know, a matter of fact, I, I wasn't even aware until I went to see the movie. I basically went to see the movie Grease because my dear friend Frankie Avalon was in it, who played Teen Angel. Right. And then all of a sudden there's Rydell High. I said, oh my God. You know, really, what an honor it was. It was wonderful. Yeah. And usually it's it's uh, something like that happens, it's too late to appreciate it. <laughs> I guess so, yeah, right, absolutely. But uh, you know, I, you know, to be even mentioned in that you know phenomenal movie, you know, which was great, you know, Greece, and and I happened to be in a, in another movie that you know is an all time classic as well, and that was Bye Bye Birdie. Right, and uh, matter of fact, my last interview was with Anne Margaret here about uh, about a month ago uh, about her latest movie so i thought it was kind of neat that i followed it up with uh with one yeah yeah she is so sweet you know we've been friends since 1963 when we made the movie and just uh, about a week ago i did a, a, a similar thing a radio interview with uh, tony orlando and tony says before we start the interview i have a surprise for you and i said oh you know okay so it was a phoner and it was Anne. And, you know, she, how you, how you doing, Miss Riddarelli, my real name. And she pronounces it really fantastic. You know, Riddarelli, how do you doing? I said, how you doing, Kim? You know, she's such a sweetheart, and I'm so happy to say that we've been friends, you know, since it's 63, my God. Yeah, yeah, she was a real fun interview. Uh, and, and so I'm assuming she was real fun to work with. Uh, oh, I, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Not, you know, when we made the movie, uh, Bertie, uh, you know, the cast was great. You know, uh, working with people like, you know, Dick Van Dyke and Janet Lee, Maureen Stapleton, Paul Lynn. You know, and every day we went to the set, it was a lot of fun. It was really fun. And, of course, working with Ann, you know, my God, you know, huh. sweetheart. Yeah. Um, and, and reading about this movie, I, I read that uh, they actually wrote some lines for you for the movie that, you know, Hugo didn't have much to say in the, state, in the uh, Broadway play. No, no. Matter of fact, I went to see the, uh, the Broadway show, and of course, uh, Dick Van Dyke was in it, and uh, a gentleman by the name of Dick Gaudier uh, played Conrad Birdie. Uh-huh. And I'm looking at, I'm looking at Hugo Peabody, and he's not... Not saying a word. He doesn't have a line. He doesn't sing. He doesn't dance. And I'm thinking to myself, "What am I getting into over here?" <laughs> but our director, uh, George Sidney, God rest his soul, marvelous, marvelous man. He saw some kind of magic between Anne and myself. And every day that I would go to Columbia Studios, my script got bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where there was, you know, a lot of dialogue, singing, and of course the great uh, production number in the movie, the Lots of Living number. Um, well, let's let's go back t- to the beginning. How did you get started? Well, if I had any talent within me whatsoever, uh, my father was the first one to see it. And when I was like seven, eight years old, my father would take me to nightclubs. And 
would ask the club owner, is it okay if my son got up to, you know, sing a few songs or do some impersonations? And I would get up there being seven, eight years old at the time, and I did my singing, and I did some impersonations, people would applaud. And I thought to myself at that early age, oh my God, all I have to do is do this, and they do that, what a wonderful feeling. <laughs> so it's all, because, it's all because of my dad that I'm in the business today. And, you know, really, when I look back on it, uh, doing those things at a very early age, it was like sort of like a vaudeville uh, for me, which kind of got me ready for things that were going to happen later on in my life and my career in show business and recording. Well, what impersonations did you do? Oh, my God, back then, uh, I, Jerry Lewis, of course, everybody does Jerry Lewis. And I did a, a, I did a TV show. Ed McMahon was the host. It was a show out of Philadelphia called Five Minutes More. It went on five minutes to 12 at night. And Frank Fontaine was the guest. And I used to do him. His original character was called John L. C. Savoni. But then when he was on the Gleason show, it was Crazy Guggenheim. Oh. So, uh, yeah, yeah. So I met him when I was, like, you know, 10 years old. And I did him, you know, when I was 10. Because I, when I saw him on TV, you know, I always loved him. You know, hey, hi, Joe. Hi, Mr. Dunny. Oh, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, Cagney, uh, the James Stewart. You know, the, the ones that everybody did, you know. Yeah. Did, did you ever do any impersonations once you started touring and performing, you know? In the, yeah, in the uh, yeah. It, 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 at some point in my act, sometimes it'll come just off the top of my head, and I'll just go into Jerry Lewis or Red Skelton, because I used to uh, imitate one of his characters, uh, Clem Kiddlehopper. Uh-huh. And, yeah, and... Uh, and uh, uh, the, the producer of, of the Red Skelton Hour, his name was Cecil Barker. And he said, I understand you do one of Red's characters. And I said, yes, sir, I do Clem Kadiddlehopper. He says, can I hear it? And I started, yester boy, yester. <laughs> and Red uh, happened to hear me. He was rehearsing with the David Rose Orchestra. And he started coming back to me as Clem, you know, Kadiddlehopper. Uh-huh. And from that moment on, I, I, I don't know how many shows, I did a lot of shows with Mr. Skelton, and one of the shows was I played his cousin, Zeke Little Hopper. <laughs> and from what I understand, I was the only guest artist on the show who ever imitated one of Red's characters. Huh. Well, so, uh, when, when you first heard yourself on the radio, how, how did you react Oh, I can remember that vividly. Uh, my manager at the time, his name was Frankie Day, and we were driving to New York City on the on the Jersey Turnpike, and we're getting into the New York area where we can pick up radio stations. One of the stations that we picked up was WABC Radio, and the big jockey at the time was Bruce Morrow, and of course he's still, you know, very, very strong today. And he started saying, here's a new kid with a new record. We think he's going to be a big star, yada, yada, yada. Here's Bobby Rydell with Kissing Time. And I just went, wow. You know, it was so cool, you know, to hear it over the radio for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, it was fantastic. You know, what a marvelous feeling. Yeah. When I was doing my interview with Ann Marguerite, she was talking about hearing... uh, uh, I just don't understand on the radio the first time, and she she said, "Ah, I just just 
was driving down the highway and just started screaming. And I've seen, you know, I've heard different stories from different uh, folks. You know, the first time they heard themselves on the radio, and uh, I don't know if you've seen that thing you do, uh, the movie. Uh, when the kids are running yeah. down the street, you know, with the radio, and you know, it just seems like everybody has a little bit. Di- it's all pretty much the same, but you know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I just I almost started crying. You know, it was you know my very first record, the very first time that I heard it. You know, on on one of the big radio stations in the whole country, WABC Radio, New York City. Now, and of course, you've had you know so many hits, and I play them all. Uh, on my radio show, by the way. So, uh, oh, thank you. folks get a, a, a good dose of Bobby Rydell on my show. Um, so, is there a favorite song that you've recorded, or, or maybe, maybe not a favorite song, maybe one that you had the most fun recording? Oh, my God. Um, if you remember, um, uh, Saturday night, Dick Clark had the uh, the show emanated out of New York City. It was sponsored by Beach Nut Spearmint Gum, and I did the show. And I uh, it was my it was my second record called We Got Love. Yeah. And and driving back in the limo with, uh, uh, from New York to Philadelphia, Dave Apple, who did most of my arrangements when I was with Cameo, which later became Cameo Parkway, always had his guitar with him. So we're in the back seat of the limo, and he starts, he says, when we get back home, Bobby, this is going to be uh, the next song we go into the studio. And he started on his guitar with a pipe in his mouth. And he started do 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 wild one. Uh-huh. Well, you know, that was fond memories because that became my very first million seller. And he sang it to me in the back seat of the limo and uh-huh. went back from New York to Philadelphia. But I would venture to say that uh, of all of the songs that I recorded, my signature song is Volade. Mm-hmm. My walk on music, it's my bow music, and you know it's you know I get you know when I when I do the song live on stage, uh, I get the audience to sing along with me, and they sing Volare, Volcantare, so I I I, I guess uh, Volare uh, would be you know it would be my favorite. Hey, you mentioned Wild One, and, and and another song that came out the that same year. Um, Swing in school. Correct. Um, that's that's when I play during the school year here. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. So, and, yeah, and, and matter of fact, if I don't know if you remember, uh, Dick Clark made a movie called Because They're Young, and uh, he played a, a teacher, you know, I think a high school teacher, and, uh, and uh, it was a different version, uh, but uh, it was in the movie, uh, Swing in School. It was a different version than the original recording. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, matter of fact, uh, after Swing in School came out, it was a hit for me, we had nothing in the can, and we, we had recorded an album in New York City at RCA Recording Studios, and Bernie Lowe, who was the president of, of Cameo, he went back to listen to We never released it as an album, but he went back to listen to the songs that we did on there. And the, and, and the, the song that he picked that came out after Swing in School was Volati. Mm-hmm. We originally did that in New York City, but we changed it when we got back to Philadelphia. And we added the girls, you know, 
who, you know, were on all of my records. Whoa, Bobby, whoa, everything, you know, yo, Bobby, whoa, whoa, yeah, yeah. And that became the second million seller. Um, well, I, I brought that song up because uh, when I was doing my reading, uh, I had read where that song uh, inspired the Beatles to write She Loves You. It's got that call and answer type thing, you know, and, and they were wanting to do a song like that. Yeah, you know what, Tim, there's so many uh, things going around about that with McCartney. And uh, I originally thought that swing, you know, swing and school was like, you know, yeah, 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 I go with swing, la, 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 la. Uh And she loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. But from what I understand, they wrote the song in uh to uh, to my my song of forget him which was my third million seller okay and you know the song was forget him if he doesn't love you yada 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 and they wrote she loves you yeah 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 so i don't know if it was forget him or if it was swing in school i really don't know well whichever one it was i, I thought it was kind of ironic that they you know a song of yours would inspire a big part of that british invasion that would end up, you know, putting a big hurt on, you know, you and uh, several other artists. Yeah, me and, although, of course, all of the other artists, but I remember uh, it was 1963, and uh, Anne and I were in London, and Margaret and I, to do a command performance for the royal family, and while I was there, I recorded Forget Him at Pi Recording Studios in London, and the song was written by Tony Hatch, who wrote Downtown for Petula Clark, Call Me for uh, Chris Montez. And then I toured with a young lady by the name of Helen Shapiro, who was a really, really fine singer in the UK, and to this day she still is. And we're riding on the bus in the middle of the UK. It was like 10, 10.30 at night. We're going to our next you know, engagement. And there was a car in front of us. And Helen Shapiro said, there are the Beatles. Now, this is 1963. When she said Beatles, I started looking around the bus for cops. <laughs> you know, really. Uh-huh. And the four of those guys, the, you know, they came on the bus. They knew me, and I met them, you know, and they went their way, and we went our way. And I, you know, I figured, well, they're four nice guys. They're gigging somewhere. They're going to do a club date, you know, some kind of society, whatever, you know. Yeah. And then 1964, I'm home and I'm watching Ed Sullivan, and boom, there are the Beatles. And I said, oh my God, I met those guys. <laughs> and, you know, back then we didn't have, you know, the phones like today to take a picture. We didn't even have a camera. But what a great picture that would have been in the middle of nowhere in the UK with the four guys, the Beatles coming on the bus, and I'm, and I'm meeting them and they met me. <laughs> wow. So after Beatlemania hit, um, you know, I, I think a lot of fans that, uh, you know, whenever they, you're not on the charts so much anymore, they think, well, well, some, sometimes, some of them just forget him, you know, but uh, others, you know, just kind of feel sorry for you, but you got to do what you got to do. And you just kept, you kept on, you found a way to keep going. Oh, I, 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 
absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, uh, as far as the recording end of the business, you know, it was kind of like over for me. I, you know, from then I went with Capital. Nothing happened with Capital. I signed with Reprise because of Mr. Sinatra. Nothing happened with Reprise, but I kept working. You know, I kept doing dates, so on, so on, so forth. And then back in 1985, my manager at the time. Dick Fox, he had an idea to put three Italian, quote, teenage idols together to do a tour. And that was myself, Frankie Avalon, and Fabian. And we started doing the tour, and it was called the Golden Boys of Bandstand. The original thing was the Golden Boys of Bandstand. And we started in Detroit, and... It was a tremendous success. I mean, SRO, wherever we went, we did something like, oh, 46 to like 60, you know, dates. And it was absolutely tremendous. And that kind of like rejuvenated my whole career, you know. And, you know, the work from then, of course, uh, the, you know, the pandemic, uh, you know, things went dead for close to a year and a half. But thank God things are starting to open up now. And there's a lot of engagements coming up not only with the guys with frank and faith but you know solo acts uh, you know myself um and i asked you earlier how you were doing uh you know you had some major surgery uh almost 10 years ago but that didn't stop you either no you know um yeah frankie calls me the bionic man uh back in 2012 i had a double transplant a liver and a kidney and i was out of commission for six months and my first engagement was six months after the surgeries uh, at, in Las Vegas. And it felt so good to get back up on stage again, you know. And then a year later, I had a, a double bypass. I had heart surgery. So that, that kept me out of work for, I only think it was a couple of months. But, yeah, you're right. I've uh, uh, a hospital here in Philadelphia, Jefferson Hospital. I'm what you call a frequent flyer there. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you can come out well the other end. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we uh, we talked about your, uh, you know, bye bye birdie. I t- I saw where you kind of were in a- an Oscar winning movie a few years back, Green Book, and uh, you were portrayed by another actor. Uh, well, your days at the Ron Lewis. When I met him, I, uh, we, we were doing a concert in Atlantic City, and uh, he's a fine singer as well. He's a pretty good singer, and that was the first time I met him, and really a sweetheart of a guy, and he's the guy who portrayed me, you know, in the Green Book. And I knew, I knew Tony Lip from the days that I worked the Copacabana, you know, and he was, you know, what they call a bouncer, you know, and he was a pretty tough guy, but a sweetheart of a man as well. But, yeah, that was great, you know, uh, to be able to be, you know, represented in, uh, it won the Academy Award, what, two, three years ago, as Best Picture. Yeah. And talking about the Copacabana, uh, you didn't happen to meet up with Rico or Lola there, did you? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, for you, for I, that's another joke that probably went over folks' heads. You know, the, bowl, the oh, yeah. old Barry Manilow song, Rico and Lola, and you know, she had yellow feathers in her hair and a dress cut down to there. So, um, but but Tony, you did mention a Tony. There's a Tony in that song too. 
Tony Tony was the one that was that, that hooked up with Lola and then uh got into it with Rico and that's where all the things Oh happened. oh oh, oh. I, I see where you're going. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, well I just kinda my mind went uh took a left. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um that's that's one of those disco songs there in the seventies. You had a disco version of Sway in the seventies. Yeah, yeah, it really it, it it was a modest, modest hit. Nothing, you know, you know, out of the ordinary. It, uh, it, but it was a damn good version, uh, really. And sometimes I will do that. I have an arrangement on it, you know. And uh, you know, our original was like and the disco version was like boom 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 and you know it was great it was really a great a great version of uh, of sway and the disco style huh i'll have to go back and listen to it i meant to before oh, it's, a, it's a marvelous version it really is really good um, okay, so we've we've hit your 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 movie days, your your TV days. Well, you weren't just on the Red Skelton show; you were on several other shows too. Oh my God, I did well. Skelton, I did uh, Perry Como, uh, I did the Ed Sullivan show, I did uh, the Jack Benny uh, uh, Combat, which was uh, really really good. Uh, uh, it was in a uh, a dramatic role for me in combat, and I was very proud. Matter of fact, the guy who um, casted me for combat was a man by the name of Lynn Stallmaster, one of the best, you know, casting directors in Hollywood at the time, and probably still is if he's still alive. I really don't know, but he threw a script at me. And he says, Bobby, I want you to read this script, you know, and in a couple of days, you know, we'll read it together. So I read the script, yada, 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 and now I read it, you know, to Lynn Stallmaster. Lynn Stallmaster goes back to a gentleman, his name Mike Nichols, great, great producer. And he says to Mike Nichols, Bobby Rydell just gave me one hell of a reading. And from what I understand, Mike Nichols kind of went like, yeah, well, <laughs> see, I, he's not what I'm looking for. The movie was The Graduate. Ah. Yeah. I'm, so I didn't get the part, but at least I read for it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And of course, that was the start, the start of Dustin Hoffman's career, who's absolutely marvelous. Well, you've got a book out. How can people get it? All that good oh, stuff. Yeah, yeah, the book is it's an autobiography, and I'm very, very proud of the book. And it's very sincere, it's very honest, and everything comes right from my heart. And the book is called Bobby Rydell, Teen Idol, uh, On the Rocks, A Tale of Second Chances. And you can find the book. You can go to my website, and there's, uh, you know, under uh, products, uh, you can find, uh, you can buy the book from my website, and the website is bobbyrydell.com, and you look under merchandise, and then you'll see the book, and then I think it's also on Amazon, you can go amazon.com, but on my website, if people order the book from my website, I personally autograph the book, which is a nice little, you know, gesture. Cool. All right. Well, uh, good luck with your book, and and I appreciate the time you took out with me. This this was a fun one. My pleasure, Tim. Thank you ever so much. Thank you.